Chapter Twelve of Diana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Diana by Susan Warner. Chapter Twelve, The Ashes of the Fire. Diana sat down with her face in her hands and was still. She felt like a person stunned. It was very still all around her. The fire gently breathed and snapped. The living presence that had been there was gone. A great feeling of loneliness smote her. But there was leisure for few tears just then, and too high wrought a state of the nerves to seek much indulgence in them. A little while, and Josiah would be there with his pails of milk. There was something to be done first. And quick, as another look from the window assured her, things were becoming visible out of doors. Diana roused herself, though every movement had to be with pain, and went about her work. It was hard to move the chair in which Evan had been sitting. It was hard to move the table around which they had been so happy. Even that little trace of last night could not be kept. Evan's cup, Evan's plate, the bit of bread he had left on it. Diana's fingers were dilatory and unwilling in dealing with them. But then she roused herself and dallied no longer. Table and cups and eatables were safely removed. The kitchen brushed up, and the table set for breakfast. The fire made in the outer stove, and the kettle put on. Though the touch of the kettle hurt her fingers, remembering when she had touched it last, every tell-tale circumstance was put out of the way, and the night of watching locked up among the most precious stores of Diana's memory. She opened the lean-to door then. The morning was rising fair. Clouds and wind had wearied themselves out, as it might be, and nature was in a great hush. Racks of vapor were scattered overhead, slowly moving away in some current of air that carried them. But below there was not a breath stirring. A little drip, drip from the leaves only told how heavily they had been surcharged. The long pendant branches of the elm hung moveless, as if they were resting after last night's thrashing about. And as Diana looked, the touches of gold began to come upon the hills and then on the tree tops. It was lovely and fair as ever, but to Diana it was a changed world. She was not the same. And nothing would ever be just the same as yesterday it had been. She felt that as she looked. She had lost, and she had gained. Just now the loss came keenest. The world seemed singularly empty. The noise of entering feet behind her brought her back to common life. It was Josiah and the milk pails. Hain't set up all night, have ye? was Josiah's startling remarked. I vow, you get the start of the old lady herself. I bain't ready for breakfast yet, if you be. It will be ready soon, Josiah. Mornin's is gettin' short, Josiah went on. One of them pesky barn doors got loose in the night, and it's beat itself most off the hinges, I guess. I must see and get it fixed afore Miss Starling's round, or she'll be hoppin'. The wind was enough to take the roof off, but how it could lift that air heavy latch, I don't see. Diana went to the dairy without any discussion of the subject. Coming back to the kitchen, she was equally startled and dismayed to see her mother entering by the inner door. If there was one thing Diana longed for this morning, it was to be alone. Josiah and the farm boys were hardly a hindrance. She had thought her mother could not be. "'Are you fit to be downstairs, mother?' she exclaimed. "'Might as well be down as up,' said Mrs. Starling. "'Can't get well lying in bed. I'm tired to death with it all these days. And last night I couldn't sleep half the night.' Seemed to me I heard all sorts of noises. If I'd had a light, I'd ha' got up then. I thought the house was coming down about my ears, 
and if it was, I'd rather be up to sea. The wind blew so. You heard it too, did you? When did you come down, Diana? I hain't heard the first sound of your door. Twarn't light, was it? I have been up a good while. But you are not fit to do the least thing, mother. I was going to bring you your breakfast. If there's a thing I hate, it's to have my meals in bed. I don't want anything to begin with, and I can take it better here. What have you got, Diana? You may make me a cup of tea. I don't feel as though I could touch coffee. What's the use of your getting up so early? I've all to do, you know, mother. No use in burning wood and lights half the night, though. The day's long enough. When did you bake? Diana answered this, and several other similar household questions, and got her mother a cup of tea. But though it was accompanied with a nice bit of toast, Mrs. Starling looked with a dissatisfied air at the more substantial breakfast her daughter was setting on the table. "'I never could eat slops. Diana, you may give me some of that pork. And a potato. "'Mother, I do not believe it is good for you. Good for me, and I have eaten it all my life. But when you were well—' "'I'm well enough.' "'Put some of the gravy on, Diana. "'I'll never get my strength back on toasted chips.' "'The men came in, and Mrs. Starling held an animated dialogue "'with her factotum about farm affairs, "'while Diana sat behind her big coffee-pot, "'not the one she had used last night, "'and wondered if that was all a dream, "'more sadly, if she should ever dream again. "'And why her mother could not have stayed in her room one day more, "'one day more!' "'He hain't begun to get his ploughing ahead,' said Mrs. Starling, as the door closed on the delinquent. "'What, mother?' Diana asked, starting. "'Ploughing. You haven't kept things a-goin', as I see,' returned her mother. "'Josiah's all behind, as usual. If I could be a man half the time, I could get on. He ought to have had the whole Westfield ploughed while I've been sick.' "'I don't know so much about it as you do, mother.' "'I know you don't. You have too much reading to do. There's a pane of glass broken in that window, Diana.' "'Yes, mother, I know it. "'How did it come? "'I don't know. "'You'll never get along, Diana, "'till you know everything that happens in your house. "'You aren't fit anyhow to be a poor woman. "'If you're rich, why, you can get a new pane of glass, "'and there's the end of it. "'I'm not so rich as all that comes to. "'Getting a pane of glass, mother? "'Without knowing what for. "'But how does it help the matter to know what for? "'The glass must be got anyway. "'If you know what for, it won't be to do another time.' "'You'll find a way to stop it. "'I'll warrant now, Diana, "'you haven't had the ashes cleared out of that stove for a week. "'Why, mother?' "'It smokes. "'It always does smoke when it gets full of ashes, "'and it never smokes when it ain't. "'There is no smoke here, surely. "'I smell it. "'I can smell anything there is about. "'I don't know whatever there was in the house last night "'that smelled like coffee, "'but I almost thought there was somebody making it downstairs. "'I smelled it as plain as could be. "'If I could have gotten into my shoes—' I believe I would a come down to see, just to get rid of the notion. It worried me so. It beats me now, what it could a been. Diana turned away with the cup she had been wiping, that she might not show her face. "'Don't you never have your ashes took up, Diana?' cried Mrs. Starling, who, when much exercised on household matters, sometimes forgot her grammar. "'Yes, mother. When did you have em took up in this chimney?' "'I do not remember. Yesterday, I guess,' said Diana vaguely. "'You never burnt all the ashes there is since yesterday morning. "'You'd have had to sit up all night to do it, "'and burn a good lot of wood on your fire, too.' "'Mother!' exclaimed Diana, in desperation. "'I don't suppose everything is just as it would be "'if you'd been round all these days.' "'I guess it ain't,' said Mrs. Starling. "'There's where you are wanting, Diana. 
"'Your hands are good enough, but I wouldn't give much for your eyes. "'There's where you'd grow poor if you weren't poor already. "'Now you didn't know when that pane of glass was broke. "'You'd go round and round, and a pane of glass knock out here, "'and a quart of oil would leak out there, "'and you'd lose a pound of flour between the sieve and the barrel, "'and you'd never know how or where.' "'Mother,' said Diana, "'you know I never spill flour or anything else, "'no more than you do.' "'No, but it would go, I mean, "'and you never the wiser. "'It ain't the way to get along, "'unless you mean to marry a rich man. "'Now look at that heap of ashes. "'I declare it beats me to know "'what you have been doing "'to burn so much wood here, "'and mild weather, too. "'Who has been here to see you "'since I've been laid up?' "'Several people came to ask about you. "'Who did, and who didn't, "'that came at all?' "'Joe Bartlett, and Mr. Masters, and Mrs. Delameter. "'I can't tell you all, Mother. There's been a good many. "'Tell me the men that have been here. "'Well, those I said, and Will Flandon, and Nick, and Mr. Knowlton. "'Was he here more than once? Yes. "'How much more? "'Mother, how do I know? I didn't keep count.' "'Didn't keep count, eh?' Mrs. Starling repeated. "'Must have been frequent company, I judge. "'Diana, you mind what I told you.' Diana made no answer. "'You shall have nothing to do with him,' Mrs. Starling went on. "'You never shall. You shan't take up with any one that holds himself above me. I'll be glad when his time's up, and I hope it'll be long before he'll have another. Once he gets away, he'll think no more of you. That's one comfort.' Diana knew that was not true, but it hurt her to have it said. She could stand no more of her mother's talk. She left her and went off to the dairy, till Mrs. Starling crept upstairs again. Then Diana came and opened the lean-to door, and looked out for a breath of refreshment. The morning was going on its way in beauty. Little clouds drifted over the deep blue sky. The mellow September light lay on fields and hills. The long branches of the elm swayed gently to and fro in the gentle air that drove the clouds. But, oh, for the wind and the storm of last night, and the figure that stood beside her before the chimney-fire— the gladsome light seemed to mock her, and the soft breeze gave her touches of pain. She shut the door and went back to her work. End of chapter 12